1: Welcome to Moneymaker, the podcast that gives you the tools to enrich your life in every sense of the word. I'm your host, Nelly Galan. Let's get started. Daisy Fuentes, que alegría. I'm so happy that you're here with me on Moneymaker. Daisy, I have known you. We don't even want to say how long.
0: Oh, my God. Let's say. It's so important.
1: (laughs) I just want to say that when I was the youngest station manager of a TV station in New Jersey, which eventually became Telemundo, but it was WNJU. And I went to work there at 22. You were my weather girl. Yes. (laughs) That's crazy to think that, isn't it? That's how far back we go. And you were a baby, baby, baby. You were a baby. And I'm a little older than you, so... We were both babies, but it was like we were in the wild, wild west of Spanish language television. Oh, yeah. I remember when I met you, you were thinking about being a hairdresser, as I recall.
0: Yes. So I was enrolled in cosmetology school when I got my first chance to do television. I was doing a little modeling on on the side. I had the chance to audition to be a weather girl. And I I mean, who knew that that was going to eventually detour my life into something I would have never imagined. But yeah, it's crazy how things happen. And, and that's why I always say you should have goals and you should have an idea of the things that really, you know, light your soul on fire. But especially when you're young, pay attention to those opportunities and to those doors that open that lead somewhere where you could have never imagined. You're like, I never would have even looked at that door. Hey, but it's opening. Take
1: it. For me, that door was very weird too. I had been a reporter at CBS in Boston, and I don't know if you remember that these two Americans bought the channel, Norman Lear and Jerry Perenchio, and they found me and I was like the only Latina they had met. And they go, do you wanna come and like help us start the station? And I was like 22 years old and I became the station manager by default. And then talking about your opportunity, I was told, We're going to air all this programming from Latin America, but Mm -hmm. we need some people to be on camera. And I'm like, we got to find young, hip people. And I don't know if you remember that we also had like these sportscasters and anchor people that then went on to work at ESPN and all these places. But the idea of going down a path, I think back then, Spanish TV to us sounded like our parents or whatever. But we went into it and we were like first to market. Yeah, I think for you, that's like a theme because you've been first to market a lot. So for you to enter that whole, I mean, how the hell did you even know how to be a weather girl?
0: (laughs) I didn't. And I think that that's part of being young and fearless is I, I just went with it. I had no idea. I would listen to the radio. I would listen to the weather on the way in to the station and whatever they would say, I would kind of rewrite and make it my own. I was not a meteorologist, but I was like, what's the worst that could happen? What? It won't work out and I'll get fired. At least it'll be an experience, you know? And I don't know if I would do that today. I think as we get older, we overthink everything. I didn't overthink it. I just thought, wow, what a great opportunity. Let me just go for it. So I just adapted. I made it work. And I knew that that wasn't going to be my end all. I did not want to be a meteorologist, but this television world, this entertainment industry really fascinated me. And I just wanted to learn about it without knowing what the end game was going to be. And again, I think that's another lesson of, you know, you don't always have to know what what the destination is. Just, you know, follow the road and see where it takes you. just do the best that you can with all the opportunities that are presented to you. And at some point, you're going to have a much more clear idea of what you're good at and where you fit and where your talents will be best served.
1: So as I recall, we all didn't know what we were doing and we were in this little rinky-dinky station. And then I believe your next move was you went to Univision, which was already a network. So we were like a little rinky-dinky station, but we were both from New Jersey. Actually, it was the other way around started in Univision.
0: Then I got a little cocky and I thought, well, you know, I'm going to go to the competition.
1: <laughs> was so, like, Over. So I was a startup competition, but it's good <laughs> for people to know that when you are early to market or like your employee one to 20 or one to 30 in an emerging business, right? You really cannot know what you're doing and you're going to succeed, right? Yeah. And you're also with a bunch of other people that are all success oriented because you got to make it work, right?
0: Yeah, that's pretty much the definition of what was going on at MTV, which is right. which was my next step. You know, I was right. at Telemundo. And fortunately, Telemundo was also producing, you know, years later, the very first Spanish language video music programming, that's which right. was a takeoff from the MTV 24-hour channel. But because we didn't have a platform for this and they didn't know if it was going to work, they were never going to launch an MTV latin america 24-hour channel so they had to start small and they started with this one-hour show on telemundo and i auditioned by a fluke it was just i didn't even know that they were casting and i got that job and that was the end of the weather
1: so that's when mtv eventually saw you on the spanish show right No. no no So this is what happened
0: okay so I got to talking to one of the editors who I worked with a lot because from Weather Girl I begged for the chance to go out and do some lighthearted stories, like the lighthearted community stories. So I did a few of those and I got a chance to learn about editing and voiceovering your own stories and learned a lot that way. But I said to my editor, you know, what I really would like to do is MTV is just, and he's, he was like, oh my God, that's like the ultimate right now. You know how hard it is to get on that channel? And I'm like, I know if only, I don't even have an, a manager. I don't have a publicist. I don't have an agent because, you know, I can put together a little tape for you of the stuff that you've done here. I said, would you do that for me? So he edited it together, like a little three minute clip of just the stuff that i had done. It was all in Spanish. His wife's friends, cousin's husband knew the on-air talent director at mtv and no. somehow got this tape to him with a letter that said hey i know it's all in spanish but i promise i do speak english i'd love a chance to audition i love the channel i love music it's my life i blow i don't even know what kind of bullshit i said <laughs> but what happened was six or seven months later i got a call from this woman barbara corcoran Oh, Barbara Corcoran. Yes. Who said, hey, I'm producing a a Spanish language show. I've auditioned a bunch of girls. I just got your tape and it's all in Spanish. We're closing auditions tomorrow. You can make it in in the morning. We'd love to see you. I showed up to that audition 45 minutes late because there was a storm and I was coming from New Jersey. It was a disaster, but I got it.
1: Wow!
0: Because of my Spanish. She said, you know, a lot of girls have been coming in and they speak Spanish, but they don't speak English. And if they do speak Spanish well, they have a very strong accent from a certain country. This show is going to go to all of Latin America, so we're looking for somebody with a very neutral Spanish accent. We don't want them to detect where you're from because there's a lot of rivalries in our Spanish countries, as you know. You know, we're all Latinos and we're all rooting for each other unless you put a soccer match on, and then it's, you know, to the death. So... That's how I got it. And shortly after that, I begged for an audition for MTV US and I ended up doing both of them at the same time, which was, of course, a first.
1: Okay. And that's another thing I write in my book. I say to women, you know, so many of us come from other countries and we speak two languages and it's like we're almost ashamed of it instead of if you speak two languages, double the money. Look, I write my book in English and I write it in Spanish. I'm doing the podcast in English and I'm doing it in Spanish. Of course. Why would we not make double the money? Claro que sí. You know,
0: and I always looked at that. I always looked at the whole Hispanic, Latino, minority thing as a plus. I never looked at it as a problem. I never looked at it as something that I had to overcome. Mm -hmm. And of course, at that time and me being young, I wasn't aware of really our social prejudices and and discrimination. I kind of just lived my life as who I was, which was, you know, a Hispanic girl who was bilingual. And I just always thought I had a little something extra to offer. I have a whole other culture to offer. I have a whole other language to offer. And it wasn't until years after I was in the business that I started becoming aware that there weren't many people like us in the entertainment industry at all. And that was a problem.
1: We also grew up in New Jersey and in New York in a time when Latinos were kind of cool, right? And it was like, remember, it was the whole salsa thing. And I remember Mark Anthony and the clubs. The Latino thing in New Jersey and New York was cool. And then you grow up and you start working and you go around the country and you realize that there's a whole different vibe. And in a way we were spoiled because even though we were immigrants and our parents went through a lot, right? Coming from communist Cuba, we were kind of like, Happy in New Jersey and in New York and in that whole area. Yeah, yeah. So I remember you go on MTV and it was like a scandal because you were like the first Latina. We were just all so proud of you. And then you got another first, the first Latina that got a Revlon contract. How did that happen?
0: They saw me on MTV and I got a call from Ron Perlman's office. We just had an answering machine at MTV. It was like a fan line where fans would say, hey, my name is so-and-so. Can you send me an autograph picture? Blah, blah, blah. There was a call there from Ron Perlman's office. I mean, it could have easily gone unnoticed. And Somebody said to me, oh my God, Daisy, you know, they're calling from Ron Perlman's." So I was like, okay, I don't know who Ron Perlman is.
1: <laughs> I didn't know. I remember then you were doing that, ese otro show that was incredible on MTV. Oh, House of Style? House of Style. I think that one was like the pinnacle of everything because you got to do so much incredible stuff on that show.
0: Yeah. A lot of people don't even know what it was like before social media. This was the trend maker. You went to MTV to find out what was going on in music globally. You went to MTV now to find out what was going on with fashion. We had access to the top designers and to all the top shows. You know, you had to wait months to see the clothes that were coming out from those fashion shows. You had to wait until the next month of Vogue to see some of those influences and trends and here we were now we had access to backstage and so a week later we were able to give these amazing interviews with designers from all over the world and we were the original influencers
1: (laughs) you know there's mission and there's money and sometimes the two things come together very Mm -hmm. few times in life but they come together where you're in this magical moment that you're in the right place at the right time and it's the funnest thing but right around that time I think is when you got like hit up to start working on a brand, right?
0: Yes. This was much later, actually. So I launched my brand in 2004.
1: Mm. And it was
0: at a time when they were asking a lot of people about branding. Nobody knew what branding was. But it wasn't
1: the cool thing to do back then,
0: right? It was not. In fact, a lot of A-listers were turning down these opportunities because they thought it would interfere with their image.
1: Some of them were infomercials and then some of them were brands with retailers. And back then it was almost like cheesy. Like, you know, you wouldn't be like Cher and go do that. And now Cher would probably kill to do that. Yes. So let's stop a minute because I think this is where your life goes in these two different roads. I want to go deep with you if you think it's our Cuban background or what, because Mm -hmm. you could have been like, that's tacky. I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. So What do you think it was about you that maybe was a little more pragmatic? Because in today's world, I mean, I look at all these young influencers and I go, do they think that this is going to be forever? Like, they better be investing their money because it's not going to be forever. Exactly. I want to go deep with you because I know for me, I've done a lot of fun jobs too and a lot of fun things. But I started, I tell women, don't buy shoes, buy buildings. I invested in real estate. Yes. I've really had a parallel life in business and finance and all of that, along with my TV life. I don't think people realize that these careers that you have that are super fun and exciting and creative may not always make you money, just like an athlete doesn't always make money. So what was it about you that you were at this peak of creativity and you go, no, I better start trying something else. I
0: think that you have to really assess where you are at that moment and what your place in life is not Adelantes. Take inventory of where you are in your life and what your plans are. At that time, I realized I wasn't Julia Roberts. I had no interest in becoming some Academy Award-winning actress. And even if I did, I would have probably accepted an opportunity that was right at that time. I accepted that opportunity they came to me saying that they were looking for licensing opportunities with Hispanic celebrities because they wanted to kind of fill that space. They were getting into celebrity branding. And I didn't really know what that was.
1: Was that an ad agency that came to you? Who? who No, it
0: was my agent. I was with William Morris, and one of the commercial agents brought up the opportunity. And I thought, I don't know what this is, but I'm already a model. I am already doing this for other people. I am already selling other people's clothes, other people's brands. So why wouldn't I do that for something with my name on it? It made perfect sense to me. You know, I don't know what the future holds for me, but this seems like a nice side hustle, a nice side hobby. I loved fashion. I was just coming off of house of style. So it made sense for me. And I thought, well, if they just want to address the Hispanic consumer, I'll go in that route. Because I know that Hispanic women have great taste. They're probably a little more glam than most, a little more fashionable than most. So I'm going to make clothes that all women love. Because what does that even mean? We want to address a Hispanic consumer. What do we have, three arms? We need special, I don't know, blouses? No, we just want to be represented. We just want to see a name that we can identify with that represents us. That's all it is. So I thought, great, I'll go in that route. They were testing it in all Hispanic doors. And at the launch, the president of Coles said, congratulations, we're launching in all doors. It's been so successful. And I thought, yes, that's what I envisioned happening. Exactly what I envisioned happening. And what I thought was just going to be a hobby turned into a full-blown business. And I went into it through licensing. You know, this is not a brand that I fully own. This is I have partners. I have manufacturing partners that I have been careful in choosing. I am as involved as I could be. It is now on a nice roll. But yeah, I have a team of designers that I work with, and what I really liked about the licensing industry with, again, without becoming very full of myself. I know a lot of people thought, well, I need to own this, and I need to be in full control of everything. I thought, well, this is going to become an asset for me. I have no liability here. I'm not putting the money down. And if it doesn't work out, then I'll try again. I'll try something different, but at least I'm not losing, you know, millions of dollars. And that made a lot of sense to me at the time.
1: But let me ask you something, because a lot of people have done lines and they haven't worked or like Mm -hmm. they're hot for a year or two and then it's over yours. I mean, I don't think people realize to the degree that your brand has become very successful and a long tail a long time i want us to break it down for people because so many young people have side hustles that might be as silly as selling things out of their closet on ebay or on Mm -hmm. amazon or whatever i know that there's a lot of young people today they buy stuff in china and they repackage it and they sell it on ebay i'm going to tell you something You know, I have tenants in a building right now that started by being influencers in losing weight and then decided to do their own line. And now they just got Walmart and Target and they've become a huge brand, Bloom. I love promoting them. So a lot of people in today's world, it's almost easier to do it than when you did it, right? Now you had a name and other people sometimes have to create a name, but a lot of these kids are influencers and create a name, right? Yeah. How do we break down how you started knowing nothing. It's like when I tell people, I knew nothing about real estate, zero. And in 15 years, I owned 16 buildings and I could retire. So how did you start in 2004, knowing nothing about this, just putting your name on something and build it? I mean, you've made a lot of money on this brand. I think it's very impressive. I'm so proud of you. A lot of people have
0: made money on this
1: brand. I've made the least amount of money on this brand, but yes, I am not complaining. (laughs) If you start a business and you bring in venture, you don't own the whole brand either. Right. I don't think people realize that. And it's harder because then you borrow money. Yeah. So let's be real. That's the way it works. Right. So how did you do it? So
0: I really didn't understand what licensing was. I didn't know a lot of what I was getting into. So I had to learn. And I think that one of the reasons why it has been successful is because I listened to those people who were experts in that field. The original people who came on board to start my sportswear line, they were at that time my brand managers. And I had interviewed with a couple of other people who wanted to do this partnership with me, and it didn't click, and I didn't get desperate, and I didn't jump on it. But with these people, it made sense. You know, when she came to me to talk to me, Barbara Tishner was her name, she brought a trunk of clothes, and she said, this is what I envision." I have seen what your style is. I have watched you. I think that this makes sense for you. And things that she pulled out were things that I actually had in my closet. And I said, oh my God, you're in my mind. This makes total sense. She wanted my input. She wanted my opinion. She got me. So I trusted her because she was a very successful businesswoman in fashion at this point. She was a very successful manufacturer for some other very big name brands, not celebrity brands, brands. And I said, teach me everything you know. And she said, well, this whole licensing thing is taking a different turn right now with celebrity branding. So we're all kind of going and learning at the same time. But here's what I know about licensing so far. This is my relationship with the retailers. I said, tell me about the retailers. Well, this is how it works. And I said, oh, so I can't just go, I love this trend. Let me put it in my line. No, because it might not sell. So I had to learn to trust the buyers. I had to learn to trust my manufacturer. I had to listen to what the retailer needs and how I can make my brand DNA kind of fit into what they need, into what their white space is. Instead of becoming, well, no, this is what I want to do. This is my vision and that's it. That would not have worked and I would have failed. It was really about learning how it works, about listening to your buyer who knows the consumer and making that consumer now loyal to my brand. So it was really a learning curve. And I had to put my ego aside for a minute and just enjoy the process and learn. And I think a lot of people, when it comes to celebrity branding, really make it too much about them. It's not about you. It's about your consumer.
1: Right. What do they want?
0: What do they need? What do they want from you?
1: But let me ask you something, because in 2004, social media wasn't what it is today, right? Yeah, it didn't And we exist. know that brands are all about marketing. So yeah. how did you begin marketing?
0: I was very fortunate at the time to partner with Kohl's. I partnered with them on a handshake. I was exclusive to them. And I said, I will stay exclusive to you as long as you give me the real estate in your store. So they had me front and center when i kicked off and as the years went by they started adding more celebrity fans you know jennifer lopez came in and mark anthony came in vera wang you know a proper designer all these big designers shortly after that started doing licensing deals exactly like i was doing them so As my brand started getting pushed around, you know, probably 10 years into it, which was an amazing run, it started getting pushed around the store. We realized that everywhere we put it, my customer would find it. But then they started shrinking the size. And that was the original deal was as long as you give me the space in your store, I'm loyal to you. Well, as soon as I started losing space, that was my cue to say to my people, let's expand. Let's go elsewhere. Now we can. And so we did. But you have to be really, really aware of who you're doing business with. Make good partners, partners who you can learn from, who know more about what you're doing
1: than you do. And let me ask you something. For, so at that point of your life, let's say you're 10 years into this, how much has the side hustle take up more of your time versus all the other stuff you're doing? I mean, I remember in the middle of all that, I guess even before that, I think I, at that point, I had left that little station. I had started a business and then I came back to Telemundo and I became the president of entertainment. So I was running the network for Telemundo and I brought you to do Charlie's Angels. I, I remember, remember I did that. a guest spot on that. Yes. yes that was, so, fun. Yes. That was yeah. so great. You were still doing a lot of stuff, but at what point does this other thing take over more of your life? And also let's talk about, because some things are making more money than other things at different times of your life.
0: Yeah.
1: I look at myself and I go, people think, oh, you're in TV and that's all they remember because that's the sexy thing. But how many years did I make much more money being a landlord than TV? Totally. It's not always even, right? Totally. And I think that people, especially people that are talent, whether you're a a singer, an actor, a model, whatever, people assume you're doing that all the time. Right. But in fact, those careers have ups and downs, just like an athlete, right? Absolutely. I think just like
0: most careers, actually. And I was very lucky. And I think that this is where our Hispanic background comes in. I think that traditionally, we are taught to work hard and save money, work hard and save money, but then what, you know, and so I I learned right away, as soon as I started making money, which was really shortly before the brand, you know, MTV was not going to make me rich. MTV was something that you did for experience because it was a thing to do at the time. I worked my ass off with them. It was a time to work. I was in my 20s. So it wasn't really until I started getting endorsement deals that I started making some money. And that's when I realized I I need a business manager. So I got a business manager early on, which again, where we come from, that's just another expense that you don't need. Just save the money, niña, ahorra. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I remember thinking, then what? What am I going to do with this money that I'm saving? There's got to be a better way. So, with business managers, I learned a little bit about investing stocks and the things that you're just supposed to traditionally save and invest in. And I was like, okay, I don't understand much of it, but this guy I'm working with seems to be very confident. Okay. You go that route. And You know, the more you start really paying attention, the more you realize there are other things that you can be doing that you should be doing with your money. And I, like you, am a big fan of real estate investing. I think that that also came from my background. So
1: Our immigrant background.
0: Yeah. When we came from Spain, because I went from Cuba. Yeah. You went from Cuba to Spain. From Spain to New Jersey. We moved into a three bedroom apartment in Newark with my grandparents. My grandfather owned a little bodega and the little four apartment building above it. My dad went to work for him. They busted their ass in the bodega and my dad collected the rent and was, you know, in court every other month trying to evict somebody who wasn't paying. It was, you know, dodgy part of town. And it just, it was not a good scene, but it was a great learning experience. And I just understood real estate. I understood that, you know, if you are in a good location and that if you put your money in there, you're going to make more money than you make in a bank and that you can then have a money flow coming in. And if it's not a money flow, then you could just live in a place and sell it or have more assets. And I learned about assets versus liabilities and These are all things that everyone should learn about. And that's right. Not just us who are, you know, on camera, we have this seemingly glamorous industry that we're in, whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, a plumber, a teacher, there's a way for you to take your money that you should be saving, that you should have this emergency fund. You should also have a little bit of saving take that savings and do something else with it. It doesn't matter what you do, but working for a simple paycheck is not enough because you could
1: be doing all these other things. You're not going to make it to the end of your life. And let's talk about women. The favorite chapter in my book is I wrote, ladies, there's no Prince Charming. And I don't mean just a mate. I mean, if you work for a company and you think the company's going to save you, if you think the government's going to save you, all of those are Prince Charming folk. Right. Unless you're independent economically, right? Mm-hmm. Really, truly independent economically, then bad things happen if you're, if you're dependent. Let's mm-hmm. face it. Absolutely. I think so many people in your profession, whether it was to be a host or an actress or a model, or whatever, think, or they meet some guy that's, like, that's got money and they don't know that the guy might, like, he could die, he could go away, he could find the next girl. It doesn't matter who you are. You gotta be independent.
0: And that's why I'm so proud of
1: you because you've always thought like that.
0: Yeah. When I was really young, in my 20s, I had a boyfriend who had a very glamorous life. And rather than thinking, I can go back now and really take this in. I don't know what it was. It had to be my upbringing. And this is something that's very personal. But when I was with this man who was very successful at the time, who was young, but very successful, He had this life that I'd never seen before. These houses, these cars, these assistants, people, employees. And rather than thinking, I need to stay with this guy because I love this life. I can't lose this guy. Rather than thinking that, I thought, I need to learn what the fuck he's doing because I need to live like this. Like, I need to observe. To get it for yourself. Yes. I need to observe what's going on here because this is what I want. I had never seen that lifestyle before. So let me see what he's doing. Let me see what he's done. Right. Let me see what he's doing wrong. Let me figure out how I could apply this to my life because I want a house like that because I want the assistant because I want a car like that. You know, I want this lifestyle, but I'm not going to have it by being his girl. I want to have it for myself. And that was something that I just I don't know where I learned that, but that is the advice that if I could give any advice, if you're a woman and you're looking for advice, the number one thing is have your own bank account, have your own investments, have your own house, have your own shit, become financially independent. And you will see that your love life will all of a sudden flourish because you're not depending on someone because you're not with someone because you have an agenda. You're comfortable, you have your life, whether it's a big life or whether it's a small life, you have your life and you have independence. And now you can focus on whether this person is going to become a good life partner for you or not, not based on whether or not he's going to give you, you know, a certain amount of money a month. And I think that that's one of the most important financial or life or relationship advice that I could give to anyone is be financially independent first.
1: It's interesting because I feel like in today's world with influencers, we forget that we're in a generation that was like post women's movement. Yeah. And also we had parents that had just come from another country. I mean, I think what we can both say we felt like we could do anything we wanted to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I have a 22 year old son and he said, mom, girls don't want to work. They want to find a husband. And I'm like thinking, wow, have things regressed? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But to me, I think that you never know what's going to happen. Again, life is uncertain. And I think if you bank on the Prince Charming mentality, again, whether it's your mate, whether it's in a corporation, whether it's your boss, like, you know, I remember thinking when I was very young, like my boss, I work like a dog and they don't give me my next job and giving me more money. And th- and I realized my boss has a million problems. Like if I don't ask for it,
0: right.
1: like you can't think anybody's going to save you. Yeah. And I know you don't think like that, and you never have. You've gone out and gotten it for yourself. Yeah. And I think that that's incredible. When the world changed to social media, and then the Kardashians came along and changed the whole game, how did it change your brand and your business? And also, like, at some point, maybe we don't want to live that life. And also, you have found love later in life. Yeah. And so I want to hear about all that. Like, How did you evolve and change into this new phase of your life? Both business and personal?
0: I don't know. I've learned so much in the last maybe 20 years. I really learned a lot. There comes a time where you just start applying the things that you learn in life. There comes a time where you have to ask yourself, "Mm, what was my part in that screw up? Like, what did I do to mess that up? And if you're not asking yourself that, you're going to keep making that mistake, you're going to stay stuck. So I really did a lot of self-work on myself. I tried to figure out who it was that I wanted to be at every stage of my life and kind of head into that. You know, I don't want to behave like that. Okay, how do I want to behave? I don't want to be seen like that. How do I want to be seen? And
1: do a lot of self-work. You sound like someone who's gone to therapy, and since I have a doctorate in psychology, I have not gone to therapy. No, no. Wow, you've done a lot of work. Because <laughs> that's very evolved of you. You're very <laughs> evolved.
0: You. I'm a big fan of therapy. I know a lot of people who go to therapy. It definitely helps many, many people. I'm very open. I, I'm not saying I will never go. I, I would love to to do that, just to further work on myself and just to get better. And I think that. Today, if you can't afford therapy, you know, there are so many ways that you can find out. You can listen to talks from some of the best psychiatrists and therapists and life coaches in the world. They're all accessible to you, as well as all the best financial advice from the wealthiest people in the world. I think in a time when you have access to so much information, being ignorant is a choice. And it's the wrong choice. (laughs) So, as soon as the internet became a thing, it became my friend. And I used it to learn about everything from world religions to finances to self help, everything. It's all accessible to you. So, I did a lot of that. And I kissed a few frogs. You know, I I was in a few relationships, a, a couple of long relationships. And I realized, you know, they weren't. For me. And that was one of the reasons why I never had children. That was not a thing that I ever felt I needed. I just remember when people would say, Oh, you gonna have children. When are you going to have kids? I always thought, oh, I have time for that. I have time. Maybe one day, one day I will. I'm sure I will one day. And I was saying that basically because of societal pressure, it wasn't something that was in me that I needed to do. And I know some women have that. Yeah. And I just thought it didn't matter how successful I was. All the things that I had done all the experiences in my life, when it came to that, it was women mostly who would say, you're so successful and you're so inspiring to us. And we really look up to you. One day you're going to find someone to complete you and have a child. And then you will really be fulfilled as a woman. And I thought that needs to stop that conversation. (laughs) That comment needs to stop because that's not what's going to make me fulfilled as a woman. Yes. Some women. Yes. It's a beautiful thing. It doesn't make you less of a woman if you choose to not go that route. And it wasn't until I accepted that and had that conversation with myself at age 40 that I freed myself from that pressure of like, oh my God, my clock is ticking. And do I want to have a child with this man? Even if we're not in a relationship, if we're not married and I have his child, is this someone who I want to know for the rest of my life on that level? No, was always the answer. He is not going to be a good father and a friend if we are not in a romantic relationship. So that's why I opted out. You're right. You know, if I really would have wanted to have a child at that time. I would have maybe done it on my own without the romantic partners and just done that for myself. That was not anything that I needed or that I wanted. And I think it's okay. And I'm so glad I came to that. I mean, I came to that conclusion a little bit later in life, but it wasn't until that happened And I realized I'm just gonna work on building the life that I want. I want to be someone who is happy being with me alone. I have a wonderful family. I surrounded myself with a few good friends. And I was happy. I was thriving by myself. Dating casually. And wouldn't you know it, that's when I'm like, I don't need a man. I don't ever need to be in a relationship like this again. If it works out, I'll be in a relationship with somebody until it doesn't. And then I'll move on because my life is fantastic. Wouldn't you know it, that's when Richard Marks comes along. <laughs> and that's of what course. we love. Of course. That's how course. it happens. The minute that you happens. become the person who you've been looking for that whole time, that's when that person will actually show up in your life. I'm convinced that's, that that's how it works.
1: That's beautiful. And so now you're living in Malibu, right? Yeah, we have a place in Malibu and in Miami. Let's go back to your business so we can leave women with some advice. How has your business evolved in these years, post-Kardashians and all that? How have you put it out there in a different way or not?
0: You know, it hasn't really changed much. I have, you know, an account dedicated to, to the brand so that women can follow along and see what's new. But most of my clothes right now are at Ross, and Ross doesn't have an online shopping. You've gotta go there. I love Ross! I know, you do your own treasure hunt. At some point I may have an online store as well, but up until now I haven't really needed it. My customer does like going to the store and finding what they find and seeing what's there this week. We'll see, we'll see how it evolves. I'm open to a lot of things. I'm still growing the brand. There's still categories that I'm filling in after all these years, and that's really exciting. But, you know, social media is something that you just adapt to. I hear these people saying, you know, it's just that I don't like being on social media, and I don't like, and and to be posting, and I'm just like, that's just, okay, You, you know what, stop. The most successful of the species isn't, the strongest. It is the one most likely to adapt to change. Mm. So just adapt. Just it's a marketing tool. And you know, 20 years ago there were different marketing tools that you had to use that maybe you weren't into doing either, but you didn't because that was part of what you do to grow your business, your brand. So this whole thing of that that I hear, especially younger people going, you know, they're so aware of what they post and the likes that they get. And it's like just stop it. Just focus on what you need to do. Just get out of your head. Use it as a marketing tool. Use it for you. You don't have to be a slave to it and do what other people are doing. Just figure out what's going to work for you and adapt to what is happening. And we're living in a time where we have to adapt more than ever because technology changes so quickly. Back when we started, when we were in our 20s, things would change. There would be progress, but it would be, you know, five years, 10 years till the next evolution in business or in marketing now it's happening month by month month by month the thing that might make somebody a multimillionaire might not even exist yet so you have to stay on top of what's happening especially with technology don't be afraid of it don't become that person's like oh yeah i don't know how that works i just oh my, my son teaches me how to do don't be that person <laughs> just stay on top of what's happening if you don't understand, it, get somebody to explain it to you. But don't become old before your time. We're living in a time where change happens like this. Every week, it's something different. You know, when my nephews got Snapchat, I was like, I need to know what that is. I know I'm not going to be on it because, you know, everybody who's on it is 15. I need to know what that is. I need to know what the kids are doing and how they're using it for marketing. And I just need to know.
1: I tell parents all the time, why are you, are you not using your kids? Instead of complaining why they're on the phone all day, Use them to help you market your stuff.
0: Exactly.
1: You know, get the whole family involved.
0: What are your kids buying? What is it that your kids and all their friends are into? Well, check out that company. What are the investments opportunity in that company that you're now buying and putting all your money into anyway?
1: One thing I have to say to you, and I have to compliment you, I think that as we know, when you know a lot of people over many, many years, you realize you, you don't really meet very many people that pass 35 change very much or evolve very much people get like stuck and I have to say that I've known you since you're very young yeah and I think that I'm so proud of you because you have been constantly evolving
0: oh thank you that's quite
1: a compliment you have constantly been evolving and growing and I admire that so much because I think for me that's a very valuable thing what are the things you now know that you wish you knew then
0: I wish I knew then that I could ask more questions that I could learn more. I wish I knew women like us that I could go to and use as resource and ask questions and use as a mentor. If I could give any piece of advice to young people is, you know, look at the people who are older and are doing okay. The people who have learned how to sustain success and wealth, take advice from those people. Ask them what you should be doing at this moment in your life. And, you know, just assess all of that and and make it work for you. Figure out what it is that people are doing that could work for you. You don't have to copy someone completely. Everybody has positives and negatives. There are pros and cons with everything. Take the best from everyone you know and see how you can apply it to yourself. But definitely learn from other people's mistakes and be inspired by people's success rather than envying it. And when you think about your life and your future, rather than thinking, I just want to be rich and famous, think about the lifestyle that you want. Mm. Picture yourself in 10 and 20 years. What do you want your life to look like? And start working for it start heading in that direction. You know, you mentioned the Kardashians a couple of times and they're a perfect example. They take a lot of shit from a lot of people. But let me tell you what I admire about that entire family. Here you have a girl who took a really negative situation, something that would have made most people leave the country and hide under a rock for the rest of their lives, okay? The sex tape. It doesn't matter how it got out there they got out there by accident it could have ruined her life she turned that mistake or that situation which had, which had something negative she took all the attention that was on her as an opportunity turned it around and look what they have done they have an empire not just one empire they all have their own individual empires okay many of us can do a sex tape and put it out there not all of us are going to have that life that they have created because of that. So that is the perfect example of how to take something that can be seen as a mistake, that can be seen as something to be embarrassed about, turn it around and see how you can use that to work for you. What can
1: you learn from it? Como aprovechar? You know what I mean? Like, and also what happens when a family works together? I mean, here's right. the thing too. We grew up. With parents that we had to help or that were in a different boat, right? Yeah. And no one was saying, Here are more ideas. I mean, that's another thing. They took their collective intelligence or maybe even the father's intelligence and multiplied it. Yeah. That's why I believe too in self made families. Because yeah. when you look at wealth building, you know, I look at Jay Z and Beyonce, they multiplied their success by making it bigger as a family. That's right. That's something to think about as well.
0: Yeah.
1: This podcast is called Moneymaker. In Espanol, it's called Mi Mundo Rico. Because I think that in our communities, moneymaker sounds like a bad thing instead of it should be a beautiful thing. Mi Mundo Rico, you should be rich in every way, mm-hmm. right? in amor, en familia, en to, and also in abundance.
0: That's right. It is a balance. You have to have everything. And I don't think that you have it all at once at the same time. I think sometimes some things you have to focus on longer Some things have to take a back seat and that's okay. But, you know, it's also a talent to know what you need to give attention to at what time. It is a balance because what good is it to have millions in the bank, but you've created a bunch of enemies and your family doesn't like you and you have no friends. And what's the point?
1: What's the point of all
0: that? Generosity is a huge part of being a moneymaker. That's right. You can't take it and hoard it. You have to do some good things with it as well and share it with your family, share it with those who need it, whether you, know, you find an organization that you align yourself with, donate money to, or whether it's your family who needs the help. And that becomes one of the things that inspires you to do better because you want to take care of your parents and because you want to share your good things with the people in your life who you love. You can't become rich and wealthy without being generous.
1: What a joy to reconnect with you, someone I've known for so many years.
0: Oh, I love you, Nellie. It's so good to see you being so successful and, no, and as beautiful as ever.
1: Oh, you're gorgeous. <laughs> we have to reconnect either in Miami or in L.A.
0: We will for sure.
1: Moneymaker is a production of Money News Network. Moneymaker is written and hosted by me, Nellie Galan. Our executive producer is Morgan Lavoie.